You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market, and Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year, episode 127. Um, It's been a couple weeks. I'm so glad to get back behind the mic. So glad to see Dave. And yeah, we got a guest, Brad Herlebos. Um, In case you're wondering, his last name is German. I've been informed. Um, so, um, So we finally, we're back, everybody. I hope, we hope, Dave and I, uh, and all the boys that are all... Uh, wherever tonight i know philly is working mark had something come up late ryan is god knows what probably going over game camera pics of the of his duck pond um but we did want to wish you a very merry christmas and a happy new year and hope that 2023 is is just as amazing for you as what 2022 was um now that that's all let it away welcome back to the union We've got Brad Hurlaboss on with us tonight, and we're just going to dig through a whole pile of stuff. And Brad, I got to admit, or I got to say, I guess, there's a gold medal hockey game happening right now. Um, Just to show how dedicated Dave and I are to this podcast and to sitting down and chatting with you, we're not watching this gold medal hockey game. and. And that's something that they tell you when you get baptized in Canada that you don't ever miss hockey games. So um, they, you're they put a couple deal. They put a couple drops of Gretzky sweat on you and now you're a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Canadian Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're pretty much a big deal right now. So, uh, you know, don't uh, don't fuck up this show or anything, Brad, uh, because oh, it's going to be a barn fire guaranteed. <laughs> like this could be one of the worst shows you've ever had. And you're going to be like, I should have watched hockey. Who was this jackass? <laughs> no, buddy, we really do appreciate you coming on, especially I think Dave, I think Dave gave you what, like three days notice um, to, to hop on to. So uh, thank, thank like God. That. Yeah. So thank God uh, you were able to clear your schedule and, and jump on with us. But uh, yeah, it's so, a hard schedule to clear this time of year. I mean, it's dark out at like four or five in the afternoon. So yeah, sorry to interrupt, but it's one nothing Canada. Out of boy. Um, thanks for the thanks for the updates, um, ladies and gentlemen. Um, especially to you non hockey fans, um, this show is going to be interrupted uh, throughout with the score. Um, oh, it's too bad you don't have that goal light. Oh, where is right? that thing? <laughs> So anyway, for all the people wondering, like Brad can take a couple days notice because he might host a podcast too. So Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? So I also have a podcast. It's called Feather and Fur. Uh, It's really just an outdoor hunting in general podcast. We focus a lot on dogs and birds because that's what my passion is. But we also get out west for elk and mule deer. And we talk whitetail deer, archery, traditional archery, compound. We touch on the whole compound versus crossbow debates all the good stuff all the fun stuff so that's a bi-weekly show on the paddle and fin network and, and that's it's real similar laid back like this it's i have some shows that are pretty topic specific like i do some training shows with some really great dog trainers and we stay focused and on point but a lot of my shows are just 
two guys sharing stories like you'd find sitting around a fire somewhere at grouse camp or deer camp or whatever duck camp yeah 100 percent. and it's a good show too because some you're learning but you're also laughing and, and that's kind of what we try to strive for here so that's kind of where i thought you know what for the first show of 2023 brad's gonna fit in pretty well with us here right so that's good and for those that don't know paddling fin network that's uh our buddy brian schiller that's been on a few times before too right so yeah yeah that so guy's everywhere the guys everywhere. It, it back home back home in newfoundland we we have a saying where we say he's like sheep shit it's everywhere that's that's schiller he's yeah. sheep that's what that's his that's schiller's the sheep, sheep shit sheep schiller shit. <laughs> uh, he got a uh, nickname on my on our show is when I, cartman <laughs> dave came on my show yeah and we were chatting and that was right after deer hunting and brian's like he got frustrated and he's like screw this guys i'm going home so i called him cartman and i swear that saturday (laughs) we were out duck hunting i don't know if i was duck hunting that morning or if that was still deer hunting season he texts me he's like cartman you son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) i'm taking my things and i'm going home um Brad, I did want to talk to you a little bit though. Um, and and Dave will jump in because you and Dave, like Dave has been on your show, Dave's been on Schiller's show a bunch of times. Um, you guys all have like you guys have a have a common uh a common theme because you're big kayak hunters. Um, so Dave will probably jump in here and there and 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 add some add some comic relief to to some of the questions or or break up the monotony of my voice but um you know when i was doing a little bit of research on you especially on you know uh your your podcast uh your bio had talked about you know you grew up hunting and fishing with your dad um that was where you got your start into it but you fell in love with waterfowl hunting, but that was all they said, or that was all, I guess you wrote, um, when you wrote up your bio. And, and I, as soon as I read that, I was like, awesome. Another one got bit by the bug, but then I was like, what was it like? Because everybody, everybody that we've talked to, and this is, you know, 127 episodes we've done of this show, I think, and Dave would agree that, nearly everybody has their own reason why they've why they fell in love with it um what was it at a young age that got you hooked so my bio might be deceiving and i might have to take a peek at that i did not grow up hunting i grew up fishing with my father i took hunting upon myself at all like i was 22 or 23 at the time i decided to take up hunting and we and i started with waterfowl so at that time i had uh job in construction which was piecework and i actually made a crap ton of money to do it it was super unsafe we were scaffolding planks ladders no ropes no anything just running gun hanging gutters and trim but it was paid a ton of money so mm-hmm. my fiance at the time myself her sister and her sister's fiance rented a farmhouse like just outside the city i mean so close to the city like you could throw a rock into the city but it was a farm and we were able to hunt the farm so we're out there partying all the time because you know we're all in our early 20s and i rent mm-hmm. and i rent a farmhouse for crying out loud <laughs> we're grass dragging snowmobiles out back we're getting trucks stuck in the mud like it's ridiculous like <laughs> Boober. but as but as fall rolled in the whole back corner of that would flood 
and we just watched ducks and geese piling and no one hunted it. And I looked at my buddy who he, he grew up deer hunting, but he never waterfowled them. I'm like, I got to go through hunter safety and we got to figure out how to hunt these birds. Cause this is too easy. Yeah. Like this is just, this is going to be stupid easy. Like we're just going to do it. So and they look delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so tasty. I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> like, I just run me. You, Brad, you, you rent the first time. <laughs> you rent a place and you just got a, a honey hole of ducks and geese piling in. Oh. Pretty much. Pretty. It was. It was. It set me up for real unrealistic expectations for the rest of my waterfall <laughs> hunting career. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Eh? As long as you stuck to that property, it was bangers. But uh, as soon as you had to step off, real life got in the way, I guess. How, I how mean, many hunts did it take you? So that first season, like crappy decoys, like we were making good money, don't get me wrong. But at that point, I hadn't like really been bit by the bug yet. So I had at that point, I had an 04 SRT4 Neon, which I had a ton of work and ton of money into. I was into like fast cars, keggers at the farm, everything else. So we started slow and like I bought really crappy silhouettes and like a dozen flambeau floaters that barely could float in that crappy, like not crappy, but like three inch deep corner of that field that would flood. And the ducks were great. Like as long as you were in that back corner, like the ducks didn't care. Like that's where they mm -hmm. wanted to be. So just a little bit of decoys, the geese were more picky. The geese were definitely more picky and they, we were better off not running those crappy um, silhouettes, which were literally brown with black heads. Like there was no detail or anything. Like they were just painted cardboard basically. Mm -hmm. um, but the last very end of this year for Christmas, like I got an early Christmas present before the season closed and it was a dozen shells. And I remember going out there and I'd been practicing a lot with a call at that point. And it was late season. Almost everything was frozen. There was a handful of birds around still. And I set out those dozens, those dozen um, shells. I didn't even have good snow camo. So I was wearing like I had a white sheet over me and I was I didn't even have layout blind at this point. So I had a white sheet over my legs. I had a red sweatshirt on as I was leaning up against an old combine that was just left in the field. I had these shells out there. And I remember the first group of geese that actually decoyed in and I got my limit, which was two, like I think seven or eight came in and I got my limit. I was out there alone. I'm like, this is it. Like, this That's is what insane. we do. And I'm the like, fucking man. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that, that, and that but, was it. That's, that's what, that's what started it all. But for your first and, and anybody that's listening to this show will know exactly what you're talking about. The first time that you, you alone, came up with the fucking game plan. You came up, this is how I'm going to do this today. And you know what? It just goes to show you don't need the layout blind. You don't need all of this stuff. I Listen, I get it. We we have it all. And, and it makes life a lot more comfortable and easier, but you don't have to have it. But then you came up with that game plan. This is how I'm going to attack this today. And it worked. Buddy, there's everybody that's listening to this right now is saying, yep, that's uh, that's what got me. And then 100. it all went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Next yeah. step was an enclosed trailer and like four or five <laughs> dozen full bodies with a buddy of mine and myself and layout blinds knocking on every farmer's door to, that we could that had birds in the field or 
that looked that was even before they were starting to get it cut like we just yeah. knew where birds wanted to roost on what the big lakes were and ponds around there so we just started knocking on farmer's store hey can we hunt here can we hunt here can we hunt here and we started locking up this like fields like we were going almost probably 100 miles 100 mile radius oh wow like we were just locking up like especially early in the season and we had some phenomenal hunts and it was, it was fun it was a good time like we really learned a lot made a ton of mistakes had some phenomenal hunts it was good to, it was good it was real good that was back when i was real into field hunting that's amazing that's amazing um so getting back to you know your podcast and and i know you said it, it's normally just a couple dudes that just sit around and i remember when dave you and dave were on uh or when you had dave on as a guest and and it really is just you and a and a dude just hanging out shooting the shit um, telling some stories, having a few laughs and stuff like that. And, and, and it's awesome. Right. And, and that's a lot of what we're trying to do with our show here, but you left out something that, that when I read it, I, I became really, really interested in knowing it was that you volunteer a ton of your time, um, to veterans and first responders and, and kids and new hunters, all to sort of kind of help them get involved in the outdoors when it comes to the first responders and veterans a lot to get them outdoors and, and get them over their, um, their struggles that they're having. And, and I'm one of those guys. And, and that's how I fell back in love with waterfowl hunting. I did it as a kid and got away from it for a bunch of years. And then after returning home, um, it was sort of the thing that, that helped me find my balance. So, um, you know, if you're comfortable with it, you know, can you talk a little bit about sure. the volunteer work that you do? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a huge part. So, I mean, I ruptured two discs in my back when early on. I was 17, nine months of physical therapy. I talked to a recruiter at one point in my life and he goes, dude, you'll never make it. Mm -hmm. And I took his word for it. Now, I fo later found out I probably could have got in with an exemption or something like that. But right from all the military people that like most of my friends now served in some sort of capacity because those are the friendships I have made since I started volunteering pretty much everyone says like you were lucky you talked to that recruiter and I think yeah and I really take it that way now I take it that I actually just got super lucky in that situation but a regret of mine is that I didn't serve mm -hmm. my father served my sister served my brother-in-law served my family has a history of serving yeah I did not yeah so now I do my best to to give back to those who did. So I volunteer as much time, like I volunteer a lot of time in fall, also in spring and summer for kayaking and kayak fishing. I'm the South Central Project Program Coordinator for Heroes on the Wisconsin, for Wisconsin, holy cow. Let's try that again after another beer. I'm the South Central Program Coordinator for Wisconsin Hero Outdoors. Wow. And we're a nonprofit that takes veterans out, kayaking, fishing, um, not so much with hunting because of mm -hmm. insurance reasons, but yep. we're working on some plans there for that. The plan is actually, I'm starting my own guide service to take veterans out hunting. That's what the plan is going to be. So wow. I will be self-insured as a guide moving forward by next year. The one piece I'm waiting on is to get my captain's license. I need my Coast Guard captain's license. Right, right. Um, which I'll do that this winter. It's 60 hours of coursework. So probably should get started on that as it's already January. Um, <laughs> but that's going to allow us to really open up that next door, which I'm really passionate about is introducing veterans and first responders to hunting and fish to hunting in the outdoors in fall. I do that not through any groups though. Right. So I work, so I've met multiple veterans that I have taken the time to mentor 
and teach them how to waterfowl hunt and to have taken them upland hunting behind my dog and introduced them to grouse hunting and woodcock hunting and pheasant hunting and of course the waterfowl hunting and I still take them out quite a bit because I have equipment that they don't I have a mud mm-hmm. boat that can hunt four people out of it I've got extra kayaks and things like that so I'm able to provide the gear to get them out if they don't have it I have spare shotguns I pretty much can take I'm not a guide but I yeah <laughs> right no no I I get it buddy and and um, you know, and, and I know you've heard it a million times because I know that all those guys are, are super thankful and, and, uh, and they've given you to prop you up and, and said, thanks and all that stuff. But you, you have no idea how, how much, um, it means. And, and I'm sure there's some fellows that, you know, they come out and, and it's, you, you crack their shell, right. And they, and they're app and they're able to be themselves again and and start to bring back a little piece of themselves each, each time they get outdoors and so what you're doing don't ever think what you're doing is is nothing um because i know a lot of a lot of people that do this sort of thing they they tend to say well i'm just you know i'm just doing something to, to give thanks for for what they've done right um but don't sell yourself short because it it is a very very big deal and and something that's very much appreciated in the veteran community um you know and i don't and it's not just an outing like that's not what my goal is for this like i don't want big group outings that's not my passion for it my passion is the mentorship yeah so they have someone that they can reach out to afterwards to continue to learn Mm -hmm. and then to be able to do this on their own like that's Mm -hmm. the end goal right right if they like it and they and like this is a way for them to refocus some of that energy that they have going on into a different passion into a good passion well maybe not for your wallet but a good passion right yeah that, yeah um it's 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 kind of like that guy that like gives the drug addict his first bump of cocaine right it's like uh shit you know hey let's go duck hunting oh yeah great idea <laughs> yeah decoys shotgun right. yeah yeah but no. you know not only the the veteran side of things but like with Dave, like I know Dave's, one of Dave's biggest passions is, is kids, right? Taking kids out hunting and introducing kids to it. And, and you know what? Um, there's a lot out there that don't have the opportunity um, or, or they don't have a parent that's, that's either willing or knows, or, or, you know, there's a ton of hurdles. Um and I know when Dave takes kids out, um, I don't think you've ever had a kid, Dave, that hasn't went back a second time. They've always continued on with it. Maybe not to the degree that we do, but they they always continue on, right? There, there's been a couple kids that you take them out and then they want to keep going out. and But instead, it's more of an introduction to the outdoors. Right. So then the parents are like, ah, I don't want to get the gun and all that. I'll take you fishing. Right. Which, so, you know what? It gets yeah. them out there and they're yeah, doing something and, and it gets them putting back into the whole outdoors, you know, paying for a fishing license and all that stuff. So it's it's getting kids outside that would be playing, you know, Call of Duty or, or Call of the Wild, that that hunting video game. Right. Well, we live on a lake. There's a river right here. Why don't mm-hmm. you fish there? Yeah. Like, right. you know, catch a real fish. So, yeah. Oh, fair, fair enough. I, I just... I, I don't, I don't do it. Um, not because I don't want to do it is, uh, I just don't, 
I don't think it would be uh, as memorable as an as a experience if I was the person that was leading because I'm not I'm not a really good dude when it comes to that sort of thing. So um, my hats off to you guys for um, for doing that sort of thing because it is important and and especially with the kids these days because there's so much working against kids to get outside right now. Um, it's it's just too easy to sit at home and uh, play video games, watch TikTok, do whatever it is that kids do. Um, it's just too easy for them to to stay home and do those things. So when when dudes like you are are out and and encouraging them to get outside, you know it it is it it's it's simply amazing, and and that's all I need to say about it. I I want to know something, Brad. Yeah, what was it like shooting that? Uh wood duck late in the season oh pretty darn, pretty darn incredible like that yeah. bird that bird's already at the taxidermist along with another yeah. one that i shot two weeks prior i mean it was my late season wood duck was out of control like now yeah. i didn't see a lot but the two i saw i put but when i saw three two of them hit the water yeah so for those that don't know brad was hunting like it was end of november like your season ends end of november doesn't it our season ended december 5th first saturday first okay first sunday of december so i was hunting the last the second to last day yeah that saturday so afternoon hunt and everything around us was frozen um we broke ice the whole way out to where we were getting and we actually got on a little sliver of a river that still had some current going through it and there was a beautiful wood duck came in that is yeah. now going on your wall absolutely now, now was, do you no go ahead i gonna say it was it was it was great too because I was hunting with Brian Schiller from Paddle and Finn, and sheep. Shit. I know, I know, sheep shit. Sheep sheep Cartman sheep over there, <laughs> and that bird hits the water, and he looks at me and he goes, "You just shot a merganser." I'm like, "I did not shoot a merganser. That was a woody." <laughs> He's like, "That was not a woody. That was a merganser." And we still had mallards working, so. We knew right where it was, and he almost had me convinced it's a merganser. I'm like, just leave it lay. We'll go get it when we get it. And um, we had mallards come in. We dropped a couple more mallards. I'm like, all right, let's get our birds. Like, we had a little long action. Let's get our birds. We went and got our birds, and he went over, and he went to go get that because I was chasing down a, um, not really a cripple, but one that kind of went in the weeds. And he, and he grabs it, and he goes, you aren't going to believe this duck. And it was, I mean, that mullet teal is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mullet teal. I love it. Yeah. So I didn't even pick up on that. Mullet teal. That is I think, awesome. I think I said that on your show. You did. <laughs> yeah. Mullet teals. Yeah. That's what oh, that's boy. a good duck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's gonna be a rainbow hash- teal. That's that's I, I, a hashtag coming up right there. Mullet yeah. teals. It'll be the title of the episode, like <laughs> Union 0430, mullet teals. <laughs> so truth be told, Brad didn't go pick up his own wood duck because he thought it was a merganser by that time, right? No, I, I truly convinced didn't think him. it was still, he didn't. Like, like I, I knew there was no way that that was a merg. There was just no way. Yeah. Like, no. I'm well, like, that, that, at that way time, too much he, color on it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At that time of the year, like full plumage, like, Oh, that thing pork. is looking like like a pride flag coming down out of the heavens, right? Pretty much. I'm like, because like you could see all the color on it, and we were only, it was 15 yards maybe to the right. end of the other side of the river that we were like. It was super small shooting, 
Um, and I, there's no way, like there was no way that was a Merg. Wow. He didn't, then, I mean, I after I had that bird in my hand, I'm like, I can't believe there was still a wood duck around. Like I thought two weeks ago when I had shot that one, like this, there can't be any more left. And I was hunting a spot, that same spot. I was, some buddies of mine were there earlier and they're like, yeah, we got two pintails. We got a black duck. We got two banded mallards. I'm like, hell I'm like, yeah, man. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. And then when I like, he's like, Hey, if you want to come out with me in the morning, we'll just all hunt out of the same boat. So that was the plan. And he texts me later that night. He goes, how'd you guys do? I'm like, and I sent up the picture. He's like, you gotta be shitting me. Like, he's like, there's no way. I'm like, yeah, another one. Like in a bad, like that's a bad thing. Yeah. Another late season wood duck. So more money at the taxidermist is really what it is. I'm trying it, to, I'm trying to figure out, sorry, Dave, I cut you off. I'm trying to no. figure out when we were still seeing wood ducks up here. So we seen well, them late. We were seeing them late up here as well. Go Dave. Look at, look at Veerman's uh, posts yeah. when he, when he shot that teal, like yeah. that teal had to be, it was pretty late there. Right. Yeah. But you know, I remember Brad sent me the message with the first wood duck. And I was like, holy shit, that's like, when did you shoot this? Thinking they've been gone for months, right? Yeah. And then right. Like, this morning. And I was like, holy shit. And then like two weeks later, he sends me another picture. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I already saw this from two weeks ago. Rub it in. I can't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mullet Teal, congrats. And he's like, no, no, that was today. And I'm like, what? Another one? Like, Insane. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. And it looked beautiful, like nicely plumed out. And yeah it kind of had me wondering like number one, what was that bird still doing there? But like, has things kind of shifted? Like what's going on? We we've been saying it for a couple of years now, like birds are late, birds are late. At some point we got to start wondering, are they going to stay late? Is it going to come back? It, like what's it, going on? It's got to man. Like, and, and I'm no rocket. Like I'm not going to apply rocket appliances to this. Um, but it there has to be you know we know that climate change that climate change is a real thing i don't think the term global warming is is something that's used anymore but they use uh, climate change now there is a shift like you're seeing we're seeing wonky birds like there's a dude not far from me last year shot cinnamon teal like that's like that is so unheard of and now you're talking about in Wisconsin in the first week of December. And, and for anybody that's in Ontario, that's listening, it's a lot colder in Wisconsin in December than what it is in Southern Ontario. I can promise you that. Um, and you're talking the first week of December, you're still shooting wood duck um, in Wisconsin. So there has to be something, there has to be something to it that the birds are leaving and and I'd say it was it was mid it was mid November when Jason Sierra and I were still hunting um wood ducks here and that is that never happens but here we are it's December or January the 4th today January the 4th yeah. and it's like 8 degrees here um so what's that 8 degrees what's that like 50 degrees Fahrenheit, I think something like that, somewhere around there. Like it's just, it's insane. So, and I seen pictures today of guys, um, Pete Heathfield and, uh, and the boys what, got into uh pintail, right? Like, the, yep. 
you know, it's just weird, man. Like, it, but again, it seems like every year they're later and later. I don't know what it's like for you, Brad. Are they showing up later or are they around about bang on time? But for us, they seem like it's it's later in the season before they're showing up now. Hard to say. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily, like, it depends who you talk to. A lot of guys say we never got our second push yet and they're still north of us, which mm-hmm. that's unrealistic. I mean, that's just unrealistic. Um, we get weird weather swings though. So this year, we locked up in November, right? Like we, we locked up and had a quite a bit of ice around here. Like there was guys out ice fishing in middle, like late November, like we locked up and then we opened back up. So, I mean, we locked up early. Like I have video. So it was the weekend of gun deer is what it was. So that's the Saturday before Thanksgiving for us is what that is. Um, so what would that have been the 18th, maybe I'll jump back on a calendar here. So we talked, so the 19th was our opening a gun deer, right? I shot my deer that morning. I'm like back to waterfall hunting and it got cold that night, no wind. So I had off that entire week, the 21st through the 26th. I was going through the 27th. I was going to go to the Mississippi river. I was going to go somewhere. And I'm like, I'm going to hunt birds. And I went out scouting on the 20th. Or the 21st. I remember for a Sunday is Sunday. And the Wisconsin River, which has quite a bit of current, was a slush cycle. Everything locked up overnight. Wow. I mean, we had thousands of birds and they were gone. Like everything locked up. And there was guys going out in mud boats up the river through all the slush. And they're like, you can get your boat's gonna be fine. I'm like, yeah, but how do I set decoys? Yeah. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, like this doesn't work. Like, like, yeah, you guys got yeah. like, yeah, I can run the river, but what good is that? Yeah. So, but that towards the middle of that week, it got really warm again. And we were able to like things opened back up, the river cleaned up. And that was that Wednesday. I shot that one wood duck or Thursday. I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I shot that wood duck. We had Tuesday because Wednesday had a really good mallard hunt out there as things started to just open up, but a lot was still frozen. The mallards worked amazing. And that was the best hunt of the year until I had that the last day of the hunt. But um, we had a great mallard hunt that morning. The birds worked awesome. We were on this little inlet off the river with just enough current to keep the ice out of our way where we had broken the ice and the, the birds worked great. And then we had a crap ton of birds coming for the last week, which is pretty, pretty standard. But like I said, that Saturday, Brian and I were out. We have video of thousands of birds in this marsh, thousands of birds. He's got videos of the sky black. We broke ice to get out there Sunday morning. We kicked up maybe a 16th of them. They took off overnight, like everything locked up and they took off again overnight. So when we get into those later years where I'm really getting at with this, like to the later time, like if we get early lockup, the birds skip us. I truly believe that the bird, I know like you see studies of GPS transmitters. These birds travel thousands of miles, like without ever touching the, touching the ground. Right. So we get an early lockup and we get a hard lockup and they push. They'll go right past us into Southern Illinois. They, they, they don't mind. They don't care. Like right. if there's no water for them to roost, they're not staying no matter how much food's here. I've never experienced it here. Dave, I don't know if you have, but now this just popped in my head listening to you chat. Is there the possibility of this reverse migration? You know, when you say that everything locked up early, and then, you know, you start seeing the, so let's take, for example, the wood duck, right? 
Is it possible that that you experience somewhat of a reverse migration? I know nothing about a reverse migration, so I have no idea about anything on it. But is is it a possibility? I'm I, I'm confident. I'm confident it happened with the geese this year. Yeah. Um. So like for those that don't know, like I, I hunted one day this year and I just couldn't get into it. Like my first yeah. day of hunting really was November 22nd, like the end of November. And it was like, you know what? I missed all the scouting. I missed fi- figuring out the birds this year. I'm just going to take the rest of the year off, heal up and pound them next year. Yeah. But sitting at my house, like the lake is across, across the road, past the house on the other side of the road, I can see the lake. And behind me is the roosting ponds. And when it froze up, all the birds were gone. And then a couple of days later, I was off work still. And I could, I was off work then. And I could see like, as soon as the ponds opened back up, there was birds coming back in. So I don't think that they were the migrating from the North. I think they were coming back a little bit. Hmm. I'm, I'm fairly certain of it. Yeah. And, and, and it could very well be, especially, um, here in Southern Ontario, because like we locked up, we locked up fairly early as well, Brad, like we uh, are small water, not our big water. So like Lake Ontario, obviously not. Um, but any of our big ponds or, or lakes, they didn't lock up, but our smaller ponds um, and the little brooks and streams that all locked up fairly, fairly early. Right. So I would say, you know, that mid November timeframe, but then um it warmed up. We lost all of that. Um, I got a video. I done a video there where we were out cutting grass in like middle of November and wearing t-shirts. Um, so, so it was weird, right? Like, but to your point, when you're talking about them skipping you, I think that's what happened to us last year. I think we locked up early last year, which we did. Um, and I think our big push of birds just, just skipped right over us and just continued South. And, and that's why we didn't have the, the end of the season, like we normally do last year. And I think people always remember the end of the season as well. I, I truly believe yeah. that. So end of the season, normally you have less water. You just mm-hmm. in general have less water because it, it's normally cold enough out in Wisconsin where you're breaking ice at the end of the season. We were this year. So you have less water, which concentrates the birds. So I think that really throws people. And then after hunting season, you have even less water. So you, mm. you see these huge pockets of birds. And True. Everyone's like, oh, we missed the migration. Oh, our season needs to go later. I really don't think so. I really, yeah. I truly think, and like what I've read in studies and what I've read from different migration patterns and everything else, most of our migration happens in October and beginning of November in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. But the big thing that you don't, but everything's open for water. You've got tons of hunting pressure and it keeps the birds from getting into huge rafts and pocketing up like what you see after the season closes. Cause now you've got 300 mallards sitting in the little bit of open water and no one's shooting at it. So they stay there all day. Like it gives this weird false impression of, holy cow, we have a ton of birds, which we really don't. The birds are just centralized and they don't fly away because they don't have to. Right. Yeah. So geographically, Wisconsin would be under, say, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, right? Not Wisconsin's not under Alberta, correct? I got to look at a map. 
Because I think are you talking provinces here? Like, what are you? Yeah. Talking? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> I know, buddy. I know. I know your province. I don't know a map that good. I believe. Oh, boy, I don't world map. Because And, and the reason why <laughs> the reason why I'm saying it is because. um, So where you guys are like directly above Michigan, right? So I, I'm I'm directly above New York. You're directly above New York. I'm yeah. way farther west or west yeah. than that. Um. I am directly above Ontario. Yeah, you're right just above me. Like I'm pretty oh, sure okay. if I if I shot a bullet across the lake, I'm pretty it would go straight towards you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So your your east, I didn't realize Wisconsin was east of Minnesota. So yes. that that that's where I screwed it up. I thought Wisconsin was west of Minnesota. Okay. I just Never don't know mind. Your, I don't know your provinces at all. So, um so just like you don't know where wisconsin is clearly um so <laughs> that train Google's of thought for. that i was going to go down um that's irrelevant now that i know where wisconsin is yeah so, i'm pretty sure his, you, Dave. His, his weather patterns are pretty much the same as ours like mm -hmm. like whatever the lines are right yeah uh, yeah. yeah well and you're kind of the same as the michigan peninsula there like yeah the upper that upper peninsula, peninsula right it's the that, same that, as that right like you're that, right beside it so we are right beside it, but the weather pattern from the UP, like Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and us, hundred percent different. Really, because oh, yeah. they get all that lake effect snow. We don't get any of that. Yeah. So we don't get any lake effect by us. Okay. Whereas like Milwaukee and Green Bay and yeah. the UP, they get lake effect snow. They get lake effect like the warming fronts and all that stuff that come off a lake. We don't get that in the center of Wisconsin at all. We get no like. We might get the occasional storm that will push in from the lake but we don't get any of the real lake effect, like lake effect snowfall. It's very rare. We see any sort of lake effect as far inland as I am. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to, uh, now that I just checked my phone, I, uh, I'm going to try and share my screen there. I'm hoping you guys can see that. Um, can you see that picture of, of Brad or am I not doing it right? Oh no, you did it right. I'm just okay. in awe. Uh, I know. You can't see his waiters, but they are tented for sure. <laughs> oh, <Like>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll go like, look at that mullet teal. Like that is, <laughs> that is a beauty Dave, buddy. You gotta, you gotta get some, uh, some, uh, yeah, some trademarking <laughs> on that buds. Um, mullet teals. Um, I, there, there's a couple companies out there that I know there's going to be t-shirts being made with that term. Now, if, if they in fact listen to this podcast, um, yeah. Well, it's because we were talking about the fact that like down south, like here in Ontario, we're lucky. Like duck season is duck season. Yeah. But like Texas, you got Texas teal and it's just that's like, right. well, a wood duck shows up. Ah, it's just a mullet teal, right? Like, well, that's, that's like Wisconsin. <laughs> we have our early yeah. teal season. Yeah. So we have a nine, seven day, seven day early teal season, nine day. Really? Seven eh? or nine. I, I don't remember. I got to look at the regs. That was three months ago. Yeah. Uh, so. But I mean, we have our early teal season and I went out and I hunted. I don't know, mid-state Mississippi River area, and all I found was wood duck. That's it. All I could yeah. find is woodies. And while we're hunting, like I'm wearing using binoculars. Like we're hunting from shore and I'm looking at them in binoculars. I'm like, no, 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 another hen, another hen. And I'm just sitting there with him, with him and I were talking, and I'm like, I can't count the number of people. I'm sure like, all the shots I heard, I'm like, man, the rainbow teal are getting hammered. And that's where like he brought up the bullet teal. <laughs> rainbow teal and mullet teal that's good man i've never ever never ever heard those terms before i i really dig it um do you so do you think that like i'd be really interested to see what would happen here in ontario if that 
if there was like an early week for teal, you know, like how many duck hunters would actually be going out? Because I know a lot of duck hunters in my area, like you're like, oh shit, you can shoot them if they want, but those are mergs or, and then they're like, oh, are they? I don't care. I'll shoot. And it's just like, if it flies, it dies around here, you know? And mm. so I, I kind of wonder like, would they, would they start learning their birds better? Would they? Oh, good point. I don't know. Or would they just not go out or would they just not give a shit? You know, like mallard yeah. comes in like, oh, that's a greenhead teal. Like, you know, shit like that. I mean, I see a lot of teal get shot. Don't get me wrong. I've, I was able to find teal. There's not a lot though. Like for no. us to have a, like, I mean, we have teal. I mean, if you can find them, you can find them. But we have tons of wood ducks. May, I mean, it's probably five to one. If you, Like from what I saw in scouting, at least, it was a minimum of five to one. So one marsh I scouted, I found one or two, one flock of, of, of blue wing. And there's like, I don't know, 12 birds ish in that flock to hundreds of wood ducks. Hundreds. Really? Like my dog was in the boat with me going crazy, like huge Vibrating. flocks of woodies. And I'm just like, like, no. And it took until the end of the night scouting where I finally found that one flock of teal. I'm like, these woodies are going to get slaughtered out here because anybody that scouted, now knows there's at least some teal out here so now you right. get really early in the morning and we actually roll back we don't open at our normal time it's normally 20 minutes before sunrise we open at sunrise for early teal just to help with bird identification yep um makes sense but I, i'm sure they still get slaughtered i'm sure of it dave you're uh, muted again buddy um yeah, my son just got home and, oh. you know, it's like a fucking bull in a china shop when yeah, he yeah. comes like yeah. boom, 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 down the yeah. stairs and it's just like, uh, ah, I'll, I'll give it a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, shit. Yeah, go, Dave. Sorry. Um, okay. So, for, <laughs> sorry. So, when you're, you start at sunrise for the teal, right? Do you end yeah. at a normal time? 20 minutes before sunset 20 minutes before sunset okay um now my other question what is scouting like there with reference to technology like drones can you scout the day before you can't harass wildlife with drones mm -hmm. same no, but you can, same go, here. you can go up in the air and you can you like can go up in like... the air i know people that use drones for scouting um yeah. You, there are some wardens that say it's fine. There's wardens out there that don't agree with it. And they're like, it's really a gray area that's not spelled out well in our regulations because mm -hmm. a warden could easily say you are harassing wildlife. Right. So I know people that do it. I've done it with other people before using drones, especially before the season starts. Mm -hmm. um, I would never have one in my possession with a gun. I can tell you that much. Like that, I feel like Smart. you would just really be asking for trouble. Yeah. Huh. Now, so you, day before you could use it to like say, oh, this is where the, the birds are loafing or whatever, but right. you would never like the day of. And that, that's exactly, I think, where we're at. Like it, if I was going to use great. it the, the day of, I would probably say I hunted the morning, right? And I just really wasn't where I thought I needed to be. Go back to the truck, maybe go do some scouting. Like I would make sure like, I'm not in hunting attire. If I threw the boat back in the water to like get farther out there and then toss the drone in the air, I'd make sure I didn't have like my shotguns on me. I wouldn't have decoys probably on me. Like I would make it very clear that if I ran into a warden, we are not hunting. Right. That's how I would approach it. Like I, I, most wardens, like I know quite a few of them. I have 
phone numbers in my phone. Like I talk to them, like they know they can call me. Like I have thermal thermal for hunting coyotes and I have a mud boat that I'm willing to tear through the ice. Like they all know, like you guys need more guys out there to do like search and rescue or something. Call me. Like, yeah, I have equipment that's probably better than half of yours. Yeah. Right. So call me like, it's fine. Like don't hesitate because the more people out there, the sooner, the better. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'm confident that I probably wouldn't get much more than a hand slap. Like, but the thing is like, it's such a gray area. I don't even want to take part of it. But, and the, the one technology I'm liking to see is um, people using their cellular trail cameras on their private duck ponds and, and duck ponds and stuff. I've been doing that for a couple years. It's awesome. I love yeah. seeing like, you'll see a pond full of ducks that are uninhibited because like, the camera just takes a picture and sends it to your cell phone mm-hmm. like they're not on they're at ease they're sitting there just playing fucking around like that's the one i like to see those pictures those are those are pretty awesome so did i want to go back to this this idea of you you know if you're going to use your drone how you're you're going to eliminate any chance that a warden is going to say you're trying to you're trying to use this tool to push birds into you so that you could kill them. Right. Right. Correct. And, and so I, I had a drone. Um, I, and I, <laughs> so I had a drone um, and I took it out. My buddy and I, we were out hunting. We found this nice little honey hole um, and there was a little bit of a lull in a battle. So me trying to get some B roll footage for the YouTube channel and all that shit. Um, Anyways, I lost my drone in the drink, never, ever recovered it. She gone um, the whole bit. But now that you say what you just said, if a warden was watching me that morning, he could have easily, easily come to the conclusion. Now, I wasn't because I wouldn't have it up if there was birds working because I would want to shoot them. Um but he could have very easily come to the conclusion that I was trying to use that drone to push birds into our decoys. And I never once thought about it. And I think that's some, that's me being somewhat naive into thinking that people are just going to take my word as well. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, But the warden wouldn't know me from, from a hole in the ground. So why would he believe me? So when we were teaching a, uh, a goose hunting course, mm-hmm. a guy asked us, he says, if I'm hunting a field and I can see the geese two fields over, can I fly my drone and kind of scare them up to fly over to me? Oh, and that's like, a no, no. That's yeah. a no, no. Right. Like you yeah. can't do that. I would think so. And I'm like, I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't think to do that. Like, that, that, right. Right. But then I thought in my head, like, you know, there's, there's a property here. It's just inside the town border and you're no one's allowed to hunt it it's perfect and i was like you know what would be great is if i had you know those like uh hook up a generator with one of those like big blow up things where the arms go up (laughs) i was like put that fucker out there and then the birds won't land there anymore right so what's the difference right (laughs) well so okay so then so that inflatable fucking thing that that you set up in the middle of the field so here here's what's the difference in that 
then you hear stories of fellas going and, and staking a field, putting a garbage bag out there so that birds won't land in it. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I like mean, I guess well, that, that I can argue that two difference. One, you're using a drone to try to, to keep birds working in the air and a chance to bring them into your decoys. Yeah. The other one is you're trying to prevent birds from landing somewhere. You're not necessarily like you can't control where they're going to go after that. True. Like you're just trying to yep, like fair. That's how I could argue that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what a warden's tank how that would be, but I don't mm -hmm. know of anywhere in the regulations that said you can't like set something up to stop birds from landing somewhere. Right. Unless if that fell under harassing waterfowl. I, I know I that's a pretty general term. Like I think I've, if a warden saw me put one of those things up, he'd look at me and go, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but Actually, he's like laughing. He, he would yeah, laugh. He would right? probably just sit back and go, look at these fucking idiots. And yeah. and just sit back and and I could I could a, a pair of wardens sitting in their patrol truck with their notepads out at 740. He yeah. plugged in the inflatable arm thing. Yeah. <laughs> Stolen from a car dealership. <laughs> At 10 o'clock, because of the ice rain, he had to go and knock all of the ice off of it or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But no, it, I, it, I get it. Like, I, I do. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just. Yeah, it. it it, it would definitely be a slippery slope and one that would be way too open for interpretation for my, for me to be comfortable. Like I'm playing, I'll play in certain gray areas. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but they have to be gray areas that I can legally prove, right? Mm -hmm. That I know, like if this went to court, I have enough information here that my case is strong enough that I should win. Um, like some of it's like with, I don't know if you guys are sponsored at all by Onyx, but I'm going to bring up Onyx here. Not all their information is accurate. Okay. And just because the municipalities, just because it says a municipality owns a piece of land, doesn't mean that piece of land resides inside that municipality. So that municipality might not, you might not be able to hunt, but that land might be in a different municipality's brownries owned by a neighboring municipality, which you can hunt it. So mm. by Onyx's standard and by what most tools, wardens and other things have, it would technically look unhuntable. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the true GIS plot maps, you would right. see that this land is actually owned in a different, by a different part is in a village boundary owned by a municip different municipality. It's legal to hunt. Like I've had this conversation before with a warden before I went and did this because I knew someone was probably going to call the cops on. But I knew I had enough Oh boy, two oh two zero like, yeah. That not trying to interrupt you, buddy. Keep going. Oh no, it's. I mean, if it wasn't red down, lights are going care. off, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um. So, I, I we we I, don't have something no, like Onyx. Like, so I am by no means trying to throw any shade onto our game wardens. Um, I think they do uh, and a ridiculously important job. And I will never, ever throw any shade on them. So when I say this statement, I say it with the utmost respect. You're about ready to lose all your, all your hunting licenses. Like, I'm going to get all pen and paper. This is the day Damien lost his privileges to hunt. But um, when it comes to the game, would you guys agree with me when I say 
that it is somewhat unrealistic for a game warden to know every single minute detail of every uh, regulation. So for us, and I don't know how it works in Wisconsin, Brad, but I would think it's the same, that your game wardens are responsible for fish and wildlife. So every fish, every every game species that's out there, they have to know all of the regulations for for everything, or or they're expected to, I, I guess, right? So is it? Would you say that it's unrealistic for someone to think that a game warden is one hundred percent correct, one hundred percent of the time? Because I think that's an unrealistic expectation of a game warden, especially if you have to know fish and wildlife. So what I'm trying to get at is if you are going to play in that gray area, you you may have a leg to stand on if you understand the regulation because that particular game warden may not know that very tiny minute detail that's allowing you to walk and play in the gray area. There are certain things like our wardens will flat, like they have nothing to do when it comes to landowners and land boundaries. They don't know it. They don't care to know it. They don't enforce trespassing. That's the sheriff's department's job. They will flat out tell you that. So when it came to like what I was talking about with that gray area, when it came to municipalities, he wouldn't even be the one that would be called. If he was called, he would say, that's not my jurisdiction. Call the sheriff. Like, so right. like that's not for him to even like really know. Okay. I think the, I think it really gets tricky and Wisconsin has gotten better, but for a long time, a lot of their laws were in, were very open to interpretation by an individual warden like they right. weren't as black and white as what they needed to be especially when it came to like waterfall boat blinds it used to be within three feet of shore 50 percent of this 50 percent of the boat needs to be covered well what do you mean by 50 percent is that gunnel down is that above the gunnel does that mean the blind and everything else does that mean just the hunter like what does that mean and each warning could kind of like be like, well, I think it means this, or I think right. it means this. Whereas now they've done a better job saying it's got to be like above the gunnel and they've kind of spelled it out more, making it so it is more black and white. Yeah. And I really think that's where it gets tricky because it right. is, there are still laws that are up to interpretation by individual wardens and all the wardens I've met and talked to in Wisconsin have been, I've, have been amazing like i've had yeah. multiple phone conversations with them i've talked like in person with them um we talk dogs we talk hunting like we have like full-on conversations and, and we chat and i didn't know any of them beforehand it's not like i would somehow like nobody in my family's a warden like my father was a police officer but he's been passed away for 20 years he didn't introduce me any of the wardens my age right, right. i have no connection to him but every time i've talked to him i promote i've approached them with a very respectful attitude an inquisitive attitude also. And mm -hmm. I know that's kind of different. Like I wasn't defensive or anything like that. It's always been inquisitive. So yeah. it's been a respectful and inquisitive attitude is how I can probably, is how I can put it. So I follow what they want to know. Like they want to see my license. They want to check my gun, everything else. But then afterwards I'm inquisitive or I'm like, Hey, I saw this, what like, like, or Hey, you know, this regulation here, like what's your take on it? Like opening a dialogue and opening a conversation to like, get their opinion on something or 
Like, and I feel like it's just established better relationships. Of course. So I've never had that situation where I've had a warden who's just been like, maybe I've always caught him in good moods, right? And I've never had that one that was in a super bad mood or I can deescalate well enough bad moods to bring it, to turn the situation around. I mean, I remember one conversation I had a, with a, with a federal uh, fish and wildlife officer and like we were chatting. He's like, I just got off the Mississippi river. He goes, how'd you guys do? I'm like, terrible, terrible. We had one opportunity to burn and we didn't even get a chance. We didn't, we weren't even fast enough. We yeah. were sleeping on it. We were just chatting the whole, like we were chatting. I got the boat out of the water. I went to put the car back and I stopped him like, Hey, do you want to like check our guns or anything? He goes, you've been so honest with me, man. I, I, he's like, no, you guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I feel like your approach has everything to do with it. Oh, 100%. Totally sidetracked this. No, no, it's <laughs> no, no. fine. They, they 100% have seen the people that try to pull shit on them, right? And the people that try to hide shit, like the, their radar gets up. That's when you start like, okay, give me your gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no Put different a than a fucking, police officer, right? Yeah. Right. Like, so. And the other thing, I don't know if it's the same down where you are, but up here, Anyone that can understand the hunting and fishing regulations has to be a fucking genius up here. Because <laughs> holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not but, stupid, but that's fucking rocket appliance. That's for sure. Yeah. But but again, right? Like they are human beings. And and um, what's that old saying? You, you'll attract more bees with honey than you will vinegar, right? So like at, at, if your first word, if the first words out of your mouth is like, what the fuck do you want? Um, chances are your your conversation is gonna go gonna be very one sided, and and it's not gonna be on your side, right? So, um, like I said, I've got nothing but the utmost respect for him. I I tried to be a, a warden before I joined the army. That's what I went to college for, uh, but obviously I didn't make the cut. Um, but they are human beings, right? And and you're right, Dave. Like they they've been around long enough to know they know who the asshats are and who's trying to hide something, right? Like they're not idiots either. But again, my, my what started us down this down this path was I think it's unreal. It's an unrealistic expectation. I know in a perfect world. Every game warden would know the law like like the back of their hand. But I think there's so many gray areas, like you said, Brad. Um, it's just an unrealistic expectation for them to know every little single nuance that there is in the hunting and fishing rigs. That's that's my opinion. Um so I'm I not think sure. you I'm not, sure. I'm not sure on that, to be honest. Like, I no? think it depends how well the regulations are written because that's what they do. Like, so during fishing, like, or if they're going to be looking at like our regulations don't necessarily change that much year to year. Right. So, I mean, unless if this is their first or second year, they've been around the block a time or two, they're going to know you can't have more than three baits out. They're going to know that like, that's a little nuance. Like mm -hmm. you can't have more than three baits and that includes more than three lures on the same line. Like you can only have three baits out period. Like you have three on one line. You can't have a second line. Like they're going to know all those little tricky things like that. Cause they've done it for long enough. Now do that. Does everyone really maybe necessarily remember, like, can you shoot one blue bill or two blue bill this time of year at the split? Maybe not, but I'm sure that just like duck hunters can't, they look at the regulations. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when it comes to things like that, like 
like those weird nuances that like maybe season like bluebills for one for us like at one point of the year it's one bird a day then for a section it's two birds a day then it goes back to one bird a day right so like things like that but as a hunter as a hunter you know that because this is what you're i know that i'm allowed to shoot one black duck a day I know I'm allowed to, to, you know, I know what my bag limit is. I know what I'm allowed to have. Um, because that is the targeted species that that's my main goal. I am all in on, on duck hunting. A, a, a fella. And, and I guess we have to preface this with, in Canada, we don't have the same numbers or the same pressure of duck hunters as you do in the States, right? So I I would think that waterfowl is the least of, of fishing and big game, right? So, so for a game warden that's in the area that I'm in, which isn't a huge waterfowling center it's mostly deer hunters and and people that fish he would probably know the deer hunting regs and and bass fishing regs but he may not know the fact that i'm only allowed one black duck i know it but he may not know it and i and that's sort of the kind of thing that i I, that i'm getting at but i i understand what you're saying as well I think it's, I think it all comes down to individuals too, right? Like mm-hmm. we can't, like, I don't want to stereotype, like, and like, I don't like stereotyping like anyone, obviously. Right. But like, I'm sure you have some wardens that are just kind of like, you know what, this is pretty much what I normally enforce. If I'm going to go try to play something I'm not used to, I might grab my regulation book and read about it before I go up to the guy where I'm sure there's other right. ones out there that take their job. Like, like they know waterfall season's coming up. They're studying it. So they, yeah, they're on point. top of it. They, yeah. they know deer hunting starting to come up, like archery hunting. They look at the yeah. archery hunting regs. They then like, are, then um, gun deer season rolls around. They know what those, like, it's not hard. I mean, I kind of look at it from like my position. Like I know dozens upon dozens of our SOPs for my work that are super intricate and super technical. And I know thousands of part numbers that I've memorized because this is what I do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do day in and day out. Like they're enforcing these laws and they're looking at these regulations. Like that stuff's just going to stick. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And, and all the major stuff too, like the, the three shells and the gun and stuff. Right. It, they're going to know all the major stuff that the major that's stuff easily yes. to look at. Yeah. And then if some, if they find something, that's when it's the whole, like you fucked around and now we're going to really find out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, boys, um, We've been 60 minutes and Brad, there's a goddamn gold medal <laughs> hockey game going on right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, this, but this is one of those conversations we could have been going for like two friggin' hours. Well, it's yeah, it right? was like, a hockey game. Yeah. No, but it, it is a great conversation and one, and I'd love to be able to get a game warden on, um, and I've reached out a couple of times, but, and, and I understand their, um, reluctance. Um, I, and, and I do. I know there's a couple of game wardens that have listened to this and yeah. they listen to this. And I think that the scary part is that they're like, oh, they're going to blindside me with something. Stupid. Yeah, that's right. Listen. And and I totally get it. Right. And I, and I get it too. Yeah, I, I do. I totally understand their reluctance because you know that if mm-hmm. they 
fuck up one little thing, the millions of people that listen to this podcast yeah. are going to, they're going to take it as gospel, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, like, so I, mean, I totally understand the reluctance. I, I totally, totally do. I recorded a podcast with a nonprofit, which had to get, which after we recorded, I had to send it to some, one of their senior executives to listen to before we could air it to make yeah. sure it was okay. Yeah. And I, that was just a nonprofit. Like that yeah. wasn't law enforcement yeah. where like right. things could be like used in a court of law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, that's, yeah, go Dave. Well, I was going to say part of it too, is probably they're like, you know, if I go on a normal TV show or whatever, we can just like, eh, I meant to say this instead, you guys can edit it out, but they know that we're pretty fucking stupid and we can't edit <laughs> for them. Right. Yeah. What's like, said is said. Yeah. Those fucking morons just put everything <laughs> on that show. One hundred percent. No edit button. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. If Dave can't figure it out, it doesn't get yeah. done because this nope. this new fee uh, definitely doesn't do it. Um, got an eight second live TV delay. If I can't hit pause, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, that's that's why there's like someone's like, oh, have you ever thought of like bleeping out swear words for an episode? I thought of it, and then I thought, <laughs> fuck that, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Fellas, uh, Brad, buddy, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great episode. It really was. And uh, as usual, um, we were all over the place, which I think um, goes along with what you do, Brad. Um, and it just makes for, for a great show. Um, as always, everybody, if there's anything that we talked about, feel free to comment and, and send us a message and, and let us know because we'd love to know what your thoughts are on anything that we've talked about. Um, send it to Dave, send it to me, uh, hit us up on social media, whatever. Please um, check out Brad's podcast. Um, check out the Paddle and Finn Network. Um, it's amazing. Um, Dave's been on it a bunch of times. We've had Schiller on the show. Um now we've got Brad. So, and, and now Brad, you're part, now you're part of the rotation, right? So now like you'll get invited back. If you come oh, is back, it that if, good of a job. Damn. If, if, you, if, <laughs> if Brad doesn't come back, it's because he doesn't like us just so everybody knows because the invite is there. Um, so we'll just go around the table quick, Brad, we'll give the last word to you, buddy. Uh, and then we'll end her. So uh, Dave to you, my man. Yeah, Brad, good talking to you again. Like, keep sending those pictures. Like, those wood duck pictures, mullet teal, whatever you want to call them. I lived vicariously <laughs> through you this fall. Like, it was, yeah, between you and Veerman, it was just, that was kind of my get out. So, like, I appreciate that. Hopefully you come back, buddy. And if anyone knows a CEO that's willing to come on, hit us up. Big time. Um, Brad, to you, my man. Just Shut appreciate up. you having me on. I mean, it's just like sitting in a duck blind, just a bunch of guys talking shit. Like that's my type of deal. So I really appreciate you coming on or me coming on your show. I should say not my podcast, but maybe you need to come on mine. This is what Dave did to me. Maybe we got to get you now, Damien on my podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Time. yeah. Anytime, <laughs> anytime, buddy. I'm always up for a laugh. Um, always up for a laugh. And, uh, love to spread my benign influence um wherever i can um, the only thing is my show is g yeah you can't, i i had to yeah bleep that, out a couple that's times. fine that's fine that's fine get mentally prepared now yeah i gotta yeah 
uh, I'll hook up like a shock button or something. Um, I'll start doing that now to, to prepare myself. Um, just put your dog's collar on and let, let <laughs> Trish fucking every time you swear, Trish hits you with the shocker, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, don't give her any excuse oh, to inflict man. any pain on me. Have you seen that video show up with previews? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that video of the husband and wife and the husband wears the shock collar and they go through like a Dairy Queen drive through? No. Yeah, can I get ah, <laughs> no. it's gold it is gold she's just shocking them every two words right oh don't yeah. ever give your woman that opportunity yeah. not mine anyways i don't know what your relationships are <laughs> but mine would definitely take any chance she gets to inflict anything <laughs> um brad buddy uh i really really do mean it thank you so much for coming on there is an open invite for you anytime do not wait we Trust me, we will reach out to you to come on. But if you ever want to jump on, there's something that you think you would love to discuss with our listeners, um, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Um, we'll get you in, uh, get you into the queue, and uh, we'll do another banger of a show. Um, it would have been really cool if, if the boys were on tonight um, because they would have, we would have been going forever on on some of these topics that the boys were here um so you get thank the boys you so together i'll get schiller together we'll all come on and oh boy yes <laughs> i don't know if my bandwidth can handle all of that though that's insane okay ladies and gentlemen episode 127 of the union 0430 we are as advertised we will never pretend to be anybody that we're not we're not experts we're a bunch of friends that love one another's company, shooting the shit, having a laugh, and trying to influence the waterfowling world. Until next time, big love. Surround yourself with good people. <laughs>